She was this gun-toting, whiskey-drinking broad. The super epic fucking broad. She was a pioneer in the industry. She's also so famous and so controversial. So controversial. So she's kind of a big fucking deal. Her story is so incredible. She belongs on this podcast because she's a broad you should know. Hello and welcome to Broads You Should Know, the podcast about amazing and noteworthy women from history. I'm your host, Sarah Gorski. Today, I am here with a new special guest for you listeners, my friend, Zach Livingston. Zach, what do you want to tell the audience? Who are you? Yeah, I'm an actor. I live in Los Angeles. I do a lot of voiceover. I love this podcast. I love the topic. I was part of the theater community in Chicago for 10 years, which helped civilize me. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just go through like the greatest hits here. Um, I think the Chicago theater connection thing is really important. It's really important to me because a podcast about uh, broads you should know would not have been anything I would have been interested in before I came to Chicago. Not that I would have been vehemently against it, but I had a ton to learn about male privilege and about the history of you know white male supremacy. And I think being a part of that theater community was definitely a gift to learn how to look at history through a new lens. And I really appreciate that time. And I I do think there's like a direct path from that to me sitting in front of this microphone talking to you. It is tricky sometimes as a man to figure out how you slot into these kind of conversations and what you may or may not have to offer. But I am a huge admirer of many of the broads you have covered, obviously. So it's, you know, it's an honor to be invited into this space. Well, it's an honor to have you. And, you know, you wouldn't have been invited if you weren't known to be a friend and an ally. So today I am super excited to be bringing you an absolutely epic, dare I say, legendary broad in the same way, like we've done an episode about Mulan. Yeah. She's in this she's in this vein, right? I mean, I'm this already sounds very impressive. So I'm doing my my broads research I've been looking for like some new names and I've been trying to look for, you know, there's a few countries like we just really haven't hit very much. Like we don't have a lot of broads from India or South America. We just have a few. And I'm always trying to try to pull in people from other places and not just fucking North America because North Americans are so North American centric. So I was kind of, I was Googling specifically like different countries and women and stuff like that. And this story flies across my feed and I'm just going to read what I found. It was said that during an event known as the Kela battle, Vishpala was a little too eager to get out there and kick some ass, and she runs straight out onto the battlefield, oblivious to everything else, and she's shot with an arrow in the leg. She's dragged off the battlefield, but she's not going to be taken down by a mere arrow, so she commissions a leg made of iron to be fitted to her stump, working as a makeshift prosthesis, and goes back to the battlefield. Whoa, 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 whoa. She lost the leg? She lost the leg! She lost the leg from an arrow? Well, okay. I have more to say. That's like the that's like the the tiny story, right? That that like pops up in my screen when I click around to read more about this broad. I mean, consider my interest peak. And her name is Vishpala. I don't speak uh well, actually originally it's written in Sanskrit, but I don't speak any of the kind of Indian era uh area languages at all. So I'm probably pronouncing okay. it wrong, but I think it's Vishpala. Her story is the oldest reference in all of history to both a female warrior and a prosthesis. No kidding. Yes. What a a weird overlap that is. Her story appears in in this document called the Rig Veda. I've heard of the Rig Veda. Have you? I had not heard of it. I don't know why. 
but I have heard of that. Well, I, it's really <laughs> fucking famous. And it's one of the foundational documents of the Hindu faith. It is like, yeah. it's like one of their formational documents. So it's, That's probably it's why. pretty, pretty fa- There's four different Vedas, they call them. And the Rig Veda is the first one. It's one of the oldest existing texts in any Indo-European language, which probably they think originated around the area of present-day Pakistan, sometime between 1500 and 1200 BCE. Wow. And that's just when it was written down. Because at this point in time, writing was like just becoming something that people did. People were telling all of their stories orally, like around the campfire and in in their churches and temple, whatever. It was all thousands and thousands of years. Yeah. Yes. Writing, Writing was a much later development in terms of human storytelling. Yeah. And so the Rig Veda is like the literal only source of knowledge from the early Vedic period, they call it, which is which spans mm. from 1750 to 1000 BCE. And then right. there's the, the late Vedic is a little bit after that to up until like 500 BCE. And so the Rig Veda is one of the four canonical sacred texts of Hinduism known as the Vedas. And they consist of like I said, uh, 1028 hymns, which are divided into 10 sections, which they call mandalas. Um, so that is the Rig Veda. That's like the the research I was able to kind of scrounge up about the Rig Veda. And so this reference wow. to Vishpala wow. <laughs> appears in the Rig Veda, which is unreal. So I was like, okay, what do they actually say about her? Because obviously the summary I found in this story is not like verbatim what is said in the Rig Veda. So I'm like, okay, let me go and find this OG text. Like, what does it actually say? Yeah, let's get straight to the source and see what's going on here. Yes. And so I did the work, guys. I got the, well, at least one translation. There's, there's to be fair, there's many translations. There's two very specific scholars that have different versions of the story, which I will jump to it in a, in a little bit. Um, but the whole section of the book that her name appears in, it's all in praise of the Ashvins who are the Hindu twin gods associated with medicine, health, dawn, and sciences. Interesting. They're also called Ashwini Kumara and Asvinau. Apologies, Indian okay. friends. I'm, I know I butchered it. So the format of the text I'm about to read, it's all this kind of long song praising the gods, right? And there's all yeah. these mentions in it. So there's five different mentions about Vishpala. So we got number one, Ye rescued Vandana and raised him from the pit. And in a moment, gave Vishpala power to move. Number two, for ancient Sayu, in his sore affliction, ye caused his cow to swell with milk. O Ashvins, the quail from her great misery, ye delivered, and a new leg for Vishpala provided. Number three, wherewith ye helped in battle of a thousand spoils, Vishpala seeking booty, powerless to move. Number four, hymned with the reverence of a son, O Ashvins, yea, swift ones, giving booty to the singer, glorified by Agastya with devotion, established Vishpala again, Nasatyas. And the last reference. When, in the time of night, in Kela's battle, a leg was severed like a wild bird's pinion, straight yea gave Vishpala a leg of iron that she might move what time the conflict opened. Wow. And that are the only existing mentions of Vishpala or Kela or Kela's battle that exist in the world. Wow. Period. Wow. I know, right? Like she sounds epic. It's obviously this is like a song that they sung as part of, you know, a religious ceremony and and who like 
who knows when else? Like, I think all the time you, you sing these songs, you tell these stories. But I was like, I, I, so I get to this part of my research and I'm like, why the fuck is all this so vague? Why are there these like weird mentions of an iron leg and no other details, right? Yeah, about this yeah. like badass woman. So you remember just a couple minutes ago, I said the Rig Veda was recited orally only a right. long time before the written version came into existence. All of the stories and myths that are vaguely mentioned in the Rig Veda were common knowledge to all their audiences. So Vishpala and Kayla and Kayla's battle, they were to their the, the people at the time, those were as common as things like D-Day is to our grandparents. Or right. like right now, we think about the war in Afghanistan and America's withdrawal and people that are famous like Queen Elizabeth or Abraham Lincoln, like, the, like they're just common, gener- yeah, you know, just their generic story known. is commonly known. Exactly. So when the priests or whoever created these original stories, they don't have to give the backstory because everybody knows it. All they have to do is kind of mention the myth and then everyone has this like huge association with it. Right. That figures into so many of these these ancient stories is there's a lot of kind of assumptions about what the audience already knows. Yeah. And so they don't always fill in for you the context of thousands of years of history. And (laughs) just because, you know, everybody already knows that. But they happen to write down these hymns and they didn't write down the old stories. And so the old stories are gone now and nobody knows. Zach, because I I have to do this because... Because you and I are both Star Trek nerds. I'm outing you. If you weren't out already. How dare you tell them? <laughs> We're both Star Trek nerds. And as I'm reading this story, I'm like, I, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta like tell Zach. I'm like, this is absolutely what Picard was going through in the Darmok episode. Oh my God. Absolutely. <laughs> when Darmok on Jahalad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. At Tanagra, of course. I mean, this that's what it's. They do this all the time. Well, they did in TNG anyways, was bumping up against these cultures that they just had absolutely no context for, except for one small clue and then figuring out exactly, you know, they don't speak the same language, the translator doesn't work or whatever, and just figuring out how to proceed with such a limited amount of of information. I mean, that's one of the reasons. Yeah. Okay. So you started talking about it. You outed me. I did. And now I'm excited about it. It's my fault. <laughs> but that's one of the things that I really loved about that show, the fact that they were not on a military mission. They were on a mission of, of science and exploration. They were kind of the actual version of what we were told Christopher Columbus was doing. Oh, yes. We've definitely talked about that already on this podcast. I oh, bet you did. Yeah. <laughs> I, and we just had Orange Shirt Day, too. So, you know, the the concept of all the mistreatment and horrible things that have been done to native peoples of North America is definitely more at the forefront of people's minds right now. And it's a big question in terms of exploration and trying to understand other cultures, because we have this idealized version of, of Columbus and other explorers about mm-hmm. trying to find a new land, a new route to whatever. And these guys were just, I mean, Columbus in particular was an absolute beast, just a total monster of man. Yeah. And a beast, not in a good way. Sometimes I yeah, use yeah, beast yeah. as like a positive, like... Oh, you're uh, lifting so much weight. You're a beast. No, Columbus is a monster. No, a, a true garbage person in every in every sense of the word. But TNG, <laughs> Star Trek: The Next Generation was like, oh, this is this is the the real version of exploration that I <laughs> that I wish we were engaged in, which is really trying to find out, you know, what's going on here while respecting these people and respecting what they're about, respecting their stories, not interfering. I'm a great lover of TNG, although I do have to say, because I rewatch it every 
couple of years because <laughs> I, I love a couple it so of months. You watch um, it every couple. No, of I don't watch it every couple of months, but every couple of years I'll do like a rewatch, especially since they're all streaming now. But there are like Star Trek has its own problematic things. So I'm not going to defend it. You know, there's a few things. New sure. listeners, if you like watch it for the first time, you'll be like, what are they talking about? But I think that the heart of it and its origin story is definitely kind of there's a, there's like a there's some kind of pure heartedness there, even though they don't quite get everything right. So anyways, I'm going to bring us back to Vishpala. So there's a lot of different translations, and we don't know a lot, obviously. What do we know specifically from this text? Um, we know the name Vishpala, which is um, also spelled Vishbala with a V, with a B instead of a V, is likely from the word Vij, which is settlement or village, and mm-hmm. Bala, which is strong. So her, ni- her name likely meant yeah. something like protecting the settlement or strong settlement. Interesting. The name Kela which is K-H-E-L-A, means shaking or trembling. We also know that there was a big battle, but also who this other scholar, he also translates it to a race instead of a battle. So there's oh. like a few versions, like it's not a battle, it's a race. So some of the translations say that. Well, that changes the timbre of the situation significantly, doesn't it? It does. My personal preference is for the battle, so I'm kind of sticking with that narrative. I never heard of a race where somebody gets shot in the leg with an arrow. Actually, I feel like those ancient gladiator races, people die in that shit. Oh, yeah. Those were intense. But but a battle is slightly different. The stakes are different, maybe. Yeah, the stakes are very different. You're right. And so we also know that Vishpala was the wife of Kayla, and she was a warrior on the battlefield or a competitor in the race. Yeah. And then she loses her leg in the fight slash race. And then through the miracle of medicine via either gods or, you know, the representation of gods, the doctors, is given yeah. an iron leg so she can continue fighting. That is so metal. Literally. It's literally <laughs> so metal. And most of this version I've told you is derived from this particular um, in- Indologist scholar Griffith. But there is another interpretation from Carl Friedrich Geldner, who says mm. that Vishpala is actually a horse and not a woman. What? But they both agree on the same details that they lost a leg during battle or race and receive an iron one from the Ashvins. So I feel like the le- the horse thing, I don't know what to think about it, but he's apparently a f- scholar who knows his shit, so I can't really. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, either way, Vishpala is a fucking badass. I, 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 c- I can't help but agree. That is deeply impressive. And it's also really interesting in terms of it being the the very first uh, introduction of prosthetics into, right? uh, into the written record of, of humanity. Which is, okay, so I have another like addendum on this story because yeah. this question came, it like came up in my research was like, did they even have surgery back then? And like, what was their technology like to actually oh, yeah. do something like put a prosthesis? Not great, not right? good. It wasn't very advanced, I don't think. It's funny that we brought this up in conversation slash I set it up to happen in conversation because (laughs) Vishpala's amputation story isn't the only one that appears in the Rig Veda. There are like a ton of medical related stories um, that the Ashwini Kumaras, uh, the the gods, I guess, were chief surgeons of the Vedic period and they performed rare and sometimes legendary, like could it even happen surgeries, which apparently include... The first plastic surgery to rejoin the head and trunk of St. Chaivana when Dakshya cut his head. They also did an eye operation on Rijashva. They also did a teeth implantation on Pshuncha. And then there's also 
Also, though, in the list, in this list of, now this is like a surgeon was like, oh, yes, this is the origin of surgery. And he's like going through all of these references of ancient surgeries. And then at the end, he lists the transplant of the head of an elephant on Ganesh, whose head was cut by Lord Shiva. So I'm wow. like, okay, so there's a bunch of stories in there about transplanting heads, more than just that, the, the Ganesh one, and human to human and animal to human and stuff like that. So all of it's like really hard for me to comprehend because I am not a Hindu or anxious, yeah. ancient religious scholar or a historian. And so you're like, are these facts? Are these fictions? Are these religious myths? Are these allegories? But I still thought it was kind of fun to list them off. So I like wanted to say them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it is it is really fascinating, especially with a lot of um, religious texts, how literal it is meant to be taken. Mm -hmm. And there are obviously, I mean, even within modern Christianity, there are a lot of competing views on how literally something needs to be taken. And then there's also the fact that it was translated. Like a million times. Yeah, a million times. And so you and I discussing it, you know, it's based on the translation that you read, which you know, I'm sure you took care to find, you know, to, to look into what translations are available and how it affects the story. But it's, yeah. it's, it's really hard to set, uh, to tell. Well, I'm not a scholar, so I can't tell what translation is the most true one. All I can do is kind of, you know, I truly have to choose the one that I feel like that makes the most English sense in the translation. Cause some of the translations are so rough. You're like, I can't even, like, I don't even understand what they're saying. So I have to kind of no. choose just based on my limited knowledge, but no, absolutely. But yeah, that's Vishpala. Such a badass, right? Yeah, that's wild. That's so incredibly impressive. If anybody's going to do that, it's going to be a woman. A queen. A queen. A warrior yeah. queen with an iron leg. Zach, thank you so much for being here with me to learn about Vishpala. It was so great having you here. Listeners, if you enjoyed chattering with Zach today, you can read more about him and see his picture on our website. You also can see all of the links to the things he does, his social media handles, etc., etc. So broadsyoushouldknow.com. Broads You Should Know is edited by Chloe Skye, and our music is by Darren Callahan. And listeners, thank you for being here every week. We love having you. And you're helping us grow. When you like and share with your friends and your family, you are spreading the word about these awesome women. And I really believe that these stories help to change the world. To learn more about Vishpala or any of our other broads, you should visit broadsyoushouldknow.com. We have a full database with photos and other info about the broads that we cover. You can submit a broad for suggestion. You also should hit us up on social media at Broads You Should Know. And we'll see you next week for another Broad You Should Know. And if you really enjoyed this episode of Vishpala and you want to binge a couple more episodes, you should look up some of our other badass warrior queens. We have Hua Mulan and Nakano Takeko. And you also ought to look up Tuira Kayapo. She is a badass too. We'll see you next week.